Hello, good afternoon, good morning to who uh, whomever is listening to this. Thank you all for tuning in once again to the show, Last Word Productions. As you all know, I am your host, Tavares Wilson, and I always get the last word. <coughs> Excuse me, I had to clear my throat real quick. But as you all know, in today's news, we're going to start off in the NFL news. We're going to get right into it. And I want to start off with the Deshaun Watson situation, man. As you all know, it is the postseason. You know, we just got through the divisionals. We're going on to the conference championship round. But I feel like this is the most important news right now to talk about because not every day you see a prime top 10 player in this league request a trade on out of a franchise. To me, this, this just speaks volumes to... The Texas organization. And I'm gonna I'm gonna start back. I'm gonna backtrack real fast. For those who don't know why Deshaun Watson is so angry and wants out, so we gonna date it back to last season. It's been the the Houston Texas organization has been terrible, terribly ran for some years now. You, you check Andre Johnson last tweet out to see that a very quiet. Well, a very quiet and soft-spoken dude coming out and saying what he said. It was monstrous. It was monumental. But last season, you traded with DeAndre Hopkins, who to me right now is the best receiver in the league. And to be honest with you, I don't think it's been close for the past two years. It's since, ever since at least Antonio Brown has been out in the league. Because before D-Hop, I thought Antonio Brown was the best. Now, with that being said... <clears throat> You traded away another option. You picked up a terrible contract at David Johnson, a guy who best years seem to be behind him, a guy who stayed hurt even this year, stays hurt, inconsistent play. You know, he's he's just not what he was giving. He just has not lived up to that contract ever since that break year he had the season after he had it. And then the next season, I believe he broke his leg. And he missed that year, and ever since then, he just hasn't been the same guy. It just hasn't been. And long then you get into the Brandon Cooks trade, another hefty contract. Then you sign Watson to an extension, another hefty contract. Then you got J.J. Watts' contract, Bradley Roby's contract. You know, the, the list can go on and on and on. Like, they're paying guys. I mean, Watson and J.J. Watt, maybe you'll pay. Maybe J.J. Watt at this point, but... Deshaun Watson, of course you pay. Franchise guy, franchise quarterback, top three at his position, top 10 in the league, 25 years old. You got to pay him. You don't want him to see him in another jersey. But here's the kicker. This team has just went 4-12. They traded away their draft picks for a left tackle in Laramie Thompson, who is a good left tackle. But, again, health issues. Can't stay on the field. The best ability is availability. You have to be on the field to pan out. He when he's on the field, he's good. He's he's not he's not the all pro caliber tackle that they wanted. But he he is that. He is a pro bowler. He can become that with more time and reps. He does get flagged sometimes. As a Miami Dolphin fan, I've seen it firsthand. He's very good, man. He's he can be an anchor. But again, they gave up two first round picks for him. Then they gave up seconds for him. And then the other dude they got out of the trade of Kenny Stairs isn't even on the roster anymore, who they could have used when Will Fuller got suspended. I mean, 
it just seems as if there there is no plan. And the only positive thing, if you want to look at it as a positive, is that if they were to release some of these guys or trade them away, they, they're going to take little cap hits, except for Deshaun Watson. They're going to take a huge cap hit for him regardless. But the rest of the guys, not really. So I, I think you could look at, look at that as a positive, but these guys shouldn't be in these contracts anyway. You're already negative in debt. On top of that, you hired Nick Casario, a guy who you was not your one of the top three candidates you have. When you hired the firm to find you a guy to be your GM, it was Theo Reddick and it was an, uh, the, the, the gentleman from Pittsburgh. I can't recall his name right now. But two African-Americans, you didn't hire not one of them. You went and got Nick Casario out of the Patriots tree again. Then on top of that, Deshaun Watson was told that he would have first-hand insight on the coaching, the coaching staff, the coach that could bring brought in, and the GM. They ignored the GM request by the firm and went out and got Casario. They ignored his request to interview Enemy. They were the only team with a vacant job that didn't interview Enemy. Now they requested him later when he's obviously busy. The Chiefs is in the playoffs still. They just won yesterday. So in our in our actuality, that's looking like it was just okay. You want this fine? We'll at least try. It's it it doesn't seem like they're actually interested. So now we're at this point where Deshaun Watson tweeted out, I believe, two days ago, when he said. When he quoted future lyrics, when he was saying, I, I was at a two, but now I'm at a 10. I mean, yes, he he came out and said that it was lyrics or, you know, whatever the case may be, it's a song. But it's not coincidental that Adam Schefter, I believe the day before he tweeted that, said that his anger level with the team after trading DeAndre Hopkins was a two, but now it's a 10. I mean, it's not coincidental. It's not ironic. It's not just luck of the draw or whatever you want to say. He knew exactly his intentions with the tweet. He purposely tweeted that out because he wants this franchise to know he's done. I, I thought at one point, I really thought at one point that the Texans could possibly rekindle this relationship with a higher here and there. But I think he's done, man. It's a lot of... It's a lot of um, <clears throat> reports coming out, and I'm going to read you one right now from Adam Schefter. And and I quote, There is growing sense from people in and around the Texas organization that Deshaun Watson has played his last snap for the team. It's early in the offseason. There's a lot of time left, but Watson's feelings cannot and should not be underestimated. To me, the, the final nail is in the coffin, man. They had their last chance to get behind me. They ain't interviewing they had their last chance to get a new GM. It's preferably an African-American minority. They didn't do that. They Even though they're top two candidates from a firm, they literally paid millions to, to find their guy. And they didn't even consider or hire the two guys who were the highest on the, on the um, list, the GMs. To me, man, this is absolutely ridiculous. This is terrible for this organization. I mean, it's bad to the point where teammates, there has been reported teammates are supporting Deshaun Watson to leave. When, Whenever you see something like that, 
that shows you and tells you these guys know this situation is terrible. They know it is. And it's it is real. It is really, really just downright a travesty. And it is sad that an NFL organization is ran this terribly. I mean, Jack Easterby, I don't know what he has going on. I don't know why he has such input and power he, that he has with, with the owner of the Texans and things like that. But it needs to change, man, because listen to me. If it does not change, Roger Goodell may have to come in and he may have to dibble and dabble in this situation himself to make this thing change. Because this is, this is only going to hurt the league in the long run. Yes, it's going to hurt the the Texas, of course. But at the end of the day, Texas fans aren't backing this. The Texas players aren't backing this. And a lot of big-name representatives around the league, coaches, assistants, you know, GMs, they're not, they're not behind anything they're doing. So it – it has to come a point, man, when they like, okay, you know, enough is enough. We, we've we got to be better. We're losing our franchise guy. We already lost some one franchise guy in D-Hop. We lose, we're losing on the verge of losing our one of our better franchise players all times is J.J. Watt. I mean, he's his, his frustration is obvious, especially after the last game of the season. To me, man, it's just, it's just bad all around at this point. And I don't know what the Texans can do. I don't. I think the time on Deshaun Watson is up. I think he's done with the organization. And I think it's time for them to start looking into a young guy, a young guy, veteran, who could come in and be a bridge starter for them and get a young guy who could grow behind them for a, a couple games or a season and go from there. But in other NFL news, as you all know, the divisionals played last night, the last two divisional games. You had the Kansas City Chiefs against the Cleveland Browns. Patrick Mahomes went down in this game, unfortunately, with a concussion. He didn't look good at all. He got up with noodle legs, couldn't catch his balance. He seemed just – he just seemed really out of it, man. I mean, it didn't look good at all. And I hope he, I hope he's healthy. I hope he can bounce back and hopefully he'll play next week. But it ain't looking too it ain't looking too positive for him from what I've seen. And then you had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeating this New Orleans Saints after the Saints owned them throughout the entire regular season. Tom Brady and company went in to New Orleans, picked up a W. And I wanna say this and I feel as if this is something that need to be said. I gave Mike Tomlin a lot of flack and a lot of heat when the Steelers lost. I did. And rightfully so, because I still feel as if he's not the coach everyone makes him out to be. I don't care if he's never had a losing season. He's always had a well-rounded, talented team around him. Always. I don't care what anyone has to say about that. He has. But with that being said, Sean Payton has to receive the same ridicule and he has to receive the same harsh treatment because 
Listen to me. <clears throat> People going to sit here and say Sean Payton is a great coach, this and that. Yes, I'm not I'm not denying him for being a good coach, good to great. But what I am denying is the fact that these coaches, Tomlin, Payton, Harbaugh, Caldwell, um, um, the other Harbaugh brother who's even coaching at Michigan now, these guys have shown the inability to adjust, to make change, their the antiquated sense of pride is going to be the downfall of this team every single season, and it is showing. He failed to make one simple adjustment in this game and in this season, if I'm being honest with you. Do not play Drew Brees. He's not fully healthy. He's he's already doesn't have the strongest arm. He already is getting up there in age. He's not as talented as he once was. Just just let it go, man. Let it go. The moment they brought Drew Brees back way earlier than expected, I knew. I was like, listen, yeah, Sean Payton, he's just he just wanna ride with what he knows. He's not willing to make the adjustments. It's the reason why Teddy Bridgewater left the Saints. He knew he knew his time wasn't gonna come there. It's the reason why they're trying to say you on know, Taysom Hill, a guy who before prior to Brees getting hurt, never through more than two passes in the game. It's the reason why a guy like James Winston isn't getting any play time, even despite the fact that he's clearly the more talented guy at this point of their careers. I mean, at this point, man, at this point in time, Sean Payton should have realized that and did what was best for the team. But he, he ignored that because Drew Brees was back. He ignored that because his guy was back. Same thing with Mike Tomlin. He ignored to address the quarterback position, despite the fact that he knew Big Ben wasn't going to get any younger and healthier. He ignored that. Same thing with Payton, with Drew Brees. These guys have shown that they have do not have the ability, they're inept to making the adjustments that need to be made to stay competitive and win crucial games. This is what great coaches do. This is what Andy Reid does. This is what Bill Belichick does. This is what Coward did with the Pittsburgh Steelers the, before he retired and Mike Tomlin took over. This is what Don Shula do, the Tom Landry's of the world. This is what great coaches do. They adjust to their situations and they give their teams the best chance to win. That is what great coaches do. Even if you want to look at the new up-and-coming guys, Sean McDermott, Brian Flores, you know, Sean McVay. This is what they do. Sean McVay was willing to bench Jared Goff even despite the fact that he was healthy enough to play. He was still rolling with his second string. Like, no, I know this guy right now today gives me the best chance to win. They're not going to stick with the guy just because he's been there the longest and because he knows the playbook the best. They're going to play the guy who they feel as if gives them the best opportunity to win. And to me, that's how it should be. Regardless of position, regardless of the tenure with the team, regardless of experience, that's how it should be. Give your guy who you believe will be the best chance to win the chance to play. Period. Excuse me one second. I have to get my dog right. Okay, guys, I'm back. Sorry for the inconvenience. But as I was saying, they they fail to make the, the adjustments that's best for the team. And simply put, to me, that is not what great coaches do. 
good coaches can be good enough to make a team look like they're fools, go quote unquote great, or they can make them good enough in the postseason. I mean, play in the regular season, but not in the postseason. And to me, that is exactly what Peyton is. That's what Tomlin is. And at this point, I think it has to start being addressed about it. Because these one championships have been carrying these guys for too long. Too long, man. Someone has to step up and say, okay, this is a what have you done for me lately league. Tomlin and Peyton hasn't, they haven't cracked the conference championship appearance out of one of them in this past decade. We can't keep calling these guys great coaches. We can't. At least with Andy Reid, he did it. He went a stretch of, I think, what, three straight years with the Eagles, and he had he had, he hosted a conference championship. Now he's doing it with the, the um, Chiefs, Patriots. We know what the Patriots are with Bill Belichick. Sean McVay has made the Rams a competitive franchise from literally laughable to one of the best teams in this league. And if they would have had better, a healthy Aaron Donald and probably a little better QB play, who knows how the Green Bay game would have went. So to me, man, it's just, it's just about doing things to be considered a great coach. And they're not, they have not done it of late. They haven't. I don't care how anyone feels about that. They haven't. Now, with that being said, do I believe yesterday was Drew Brees' last game? Yes, I do. Unfortunately, I believe he's going to retire. I think he's played his last snap, his last down, his last home game. I think he's, I think if he knew, if he knows what's best for him, and I know it's hard for him to face the music and be truthful with himself, but I think it's time, man. I think it's time for him to pack it up and just wish the rest of the season and the rest of his time with the Saints the best and let it go, simply put. Now we're going to get into the NBA news. As we all know by now, <clears throat> James Harden was traded to the Brooklyn Nets. He played his first game with them, I believe it was two days ago, against the Orlando Magic. He had a great game, 32-point, triple-double night. Kevin Durant had 42 points. Both of them played absolutely phenomenal. But this is what worried me. They won by seven points against the Orlando Magic, and both of their best two players. Because I believe I, I believe Kyrie Irving is done. I don't. I think he's going to announce his retirement one of these days. If he does come back and play, that's that's great for the Brooklyn Nets. They have their third piece, their third star, because they they need one. They need one for real because the way their roster is set up right now, they have no depth of scoring. I think outside of Joe Harris and Jeff Green, those two on a good night, they have literally no other scoring at all. And no one on the team is a defender. DeAndre Jordan, I believe, is one of the better rim protectors in the league, but he's up in age now, and I don't think he could do what he once did. It's going to look real ugly and real bad for them on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, valid the not Valentunas, but the the Orlando Magic Center, I forgot his name. I'd be confused with some of these foreign names with the with each other. It's it's a lot sometimes for me. But I think in the Vukovic, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, 
But he had an absolutely phenomenal game. And Terrence Ross off the bench went insane. And it just showed me, man, they have no perimeter defense or interior defense. And it's 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 going to be bad for them when they play guys like the Celtics, when they play guys like the Heat, when they play guys like the Bucks, because these teams have two or three guys who can literally beat you scoring-wise easily, and they're all, at this point, better defensive teams by a mile. They are. You can have all the big names you want. If y'all don't have depth, if you don't have consistency out of at least two other players in the postseason, man, it's not going to work out for you. Look at the Lakers last season. The big question was, who is the the next shot creator and shot maker out of Outside of Anthony Davis and LeBron. You've seen KCP step up. Play, he played huge, especially the last two games in the finals, man. Played absolutely great. Came up big. And then you see Rondo. The whole postseason. He may not have scored, but he created shots for others. He defended well. He got rebounds at his position. Good re- amount of rebounds. Steals. Like you... He did the, the 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 grit work, the dirty work. He bought his lunch pan. He bought his lunch box in his pan. You feel me? Like he did all of the dirty work that others didn't want to do that put them in a position to win. Now they replaced that with Montrez Harrell and Dennis Schroeder. Now you got two other shot creators. Now you got other two shot makers. And you still got Kyle Kuzma. So I don't know, man. The Nets, they got to show me more of the defensive end, man. I know they can score anybody in the league. I know that for a fact. I mean, Kevin Durant, James Harden, same team. You're going to put up points regardless. You're going to. You, you just are. But I got to see more on the defensive end, man. And on top of that, I hope everything is going to be fine with Karis LeVert, man. That's, the news had broke out that he had, a, a, I believe, a tumor on his, I believe it was his kidney. Is it his kidney or his liver? But regardless, it's terrible to hear, man. I hope he can recover as soon as he can, a speedy recovery. And it's just, it's terrible. It's just absolutely terrible. But I don't really don't have any more NBA news. So what we're going to do is get into this part of the fan Q&A in the show. And I'm going to start off on Instagram first because it was a few questions on there that I had missed. These are all questions from last week, by the way. So I I do apologize if some of these are, you know, outdated now because we have played more games. But things that came up, unfortunately, again, I apologize for that. But I'm going to start off with this first question. <clears throat> this first question comes from Keelan. She asks, hey, Tavares, do you think the Falcons hire Eric Bieniemy and pick Justin Fields if he's available? Well, as we all seen, they didn't hire Eric Bieniemy. I believe they hired, it was Arthur Smith from the Tennessee Titans, OC coordinator. But I think, I think Eric Bieniemy wouldn't have been a good hire for them because I don't think they have the personnel or the staff to run the offense that he we have seen him have success in. I don't think Matt Ryan 
I mean, maybe maybe if they could have drafted Justin Fields, now that I think about it, maybe it could have worked out. But their receivers, I don't. They just they they just don't have that same style of play or that personnel to run the Chiefs' offense. If they would have got Justin Fields, maybe maybe they could have went on and got a few guys here and there, traded Julio, and built around Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage. Then it, then I could see it working. Maybe, but I think the Arthur Smith sign was a good one for them. By the way, I haven't posted anything about. Or talked about the coaches today because I'm waiting for all HC vacancies to be filled and then I'm gonna list which ones I think was the best signing to the worst. And now, with that being said, Justin, if would they drive Justin Fields if he's available? Um, this is what I say to that I think the Falcons should drive Justin Fields if he's available. If he's not available, I think they should drive Zach Wilson. One of these guys will be available. One of them. You have the fourth pick in the draft. The Miami Dolphins are the third pick. The only the only way they're taking a the receiver is if they trade that pick in the package for Deshaun Watson. They're not drafting a quarterback. The <clears throat> the Jets looking like they're not drafting a quarterback at two. How is how it's panning out for them? The Jaguars are the only team drafting a quarterback. It seems as if that's the case. <coughs> Excuse me. But with that being said, the Falcons, to me, they should absolutely take one of these quarterbacks, even if it's not Justin Fields. At this point, it's like what I said a few shows ago. You know what you have in Matt Ryan. You know he's not good enough. I know you want him to be, but he's not. I know people are going to look at the box scores, his stats, and be like, man, this guy's balling. This. Listen, watch the games, and you will see – a lot of his stats are empty stats. They are. He takes, he's almost, I believe he's what, 16 years into this game, 15 years into the game. He takes unnecessary hits. He's slow throughout his progressions at times. He's, he doesn't know when to throw the ball away or give up or let the play die out. Those are things you see from rookie or first year players. He is a seasoned vet. He's throwing the ball as much as he is because they have, for one, they have no running game. Todd Gurley was hurt throughout the season, which is why the Rams let him go. And on top of that, they're playing from behind all the time. All the time. He has to throw the ball and be effective. He has to for them to even stay in the game. <clears throat> you know, you, At this point, man, you know what you have in Matt Ryan. You know what you have. Let it go. Draft a young guy, mold him. You even play Matt Ryan for another season. But you need to draft one of these young guys. You need to. If you truly want to move forward and get better, man, you need to draft one of these young guys. That being said, let's move on to our next question. This question comes from Byron Johnson via Instagram as well. With Trey Young and Luka Doncic doing great things the past three years, who do you think will have a better career? I think Luka will have a better career because but most importantly, and the, this is the biggest stat line, I think Luka is just a natural winner, man. I know Trey puts out a lot of big numbers and big stat lines, but it's not it's not equating the wins. And the reason I believe it's not is because Trey Young, for one, 
despite the fact that he has a huge assist numbers, he st- he stuns the offense a little bit because he does hold the ball a lot. He's not he's he's good at passing. He's a willing passer, but he can dribble the t- the um, time of possession out sometimes. He can chew up a shot clock. And he also could take some pretty ridiculous shots, if I'm being honest. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a, a terrible thing, but it also isn't helpful some games either, especially in some of these last couple games they played, man. I mean, they actually got manhandled the other night by the Utah Jazz. It was, it was, it was horrible. And before that, I believe they had a, a, a blow. They blew a lead, I believe it was against the Pacers, if I'm not mistaken. Luka is just a better winner, man. Period. I think Luka finds a way to make his teammates around him truly better. I think he makes the team better as a whole. I mean, despite the 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 game against the Bulls, he single-handedly kept them in that game throughout the game. It was amazing to me. But I think Luka had a better career. I think he's already the better player. I think both of them can drastically improve on defense. Luka has gotten a bit better, but I definitely think Luka will be the better player for the years to come. All right, now we're going to take the Facebook. First question comes from Quincy Charles. Is Russell Wilson a fraud? I want to say Russell Wilson is a fraud, but I do believe he is not the top three quarterback people believe he is. I think that's right now, as we speak, I think that's Rodgers. No order. I think that's Rodgers, Mahomes, and Watson. I think that's him. So that doesn't make him a fraud, per se. That just, to me, that makes him a little overrated because he he has shrunk in big moments. And the last time we seen him in big games, in the Super Bowl and, you know, NFC championships and stuff, he had a great defense to compliment him. I mean, he didn't have to do much because, you know, they could just run the ball. And now they they depend on him a lot to win games because now they don't have the Legion of Boom. You don't got Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman there. You don't have you don't have a prime KJ Wright or Bobby young Bobby Wagner. You know that it's not there. You know, so. Now you don't have Marshawn Lynch either, even though you got two good running backs to me and Carlos Hyde and <clears throat> oh man, his name is slipping my mind right now. <laughs> Chris Carson, there we go. I don't know why I couldn't think of his name, but even despite all that, they 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 depend way more on Russell Wilson these days, man. That's the reason why they went out and got Metcalf. It's the reason why they got Lockett. It's the reason why they tried to reinstate Josh Gordon. They depend on him to throw that ball and win them games. He hasn't. He has not done that in this postseason. These past couple of years, he hasn't. I mean, it's unfortunate, but he hasn't. Uh, let's see. This next question comes to Mason Moon. From what we've seen from the NFC, who really has a shot at Green Bay? Well, this question was asked almost a week ago. At the time, I would have told you the Saints. At the time, I would have told you the Saints, but we see that's not the question. The, the, that's clearly not how things panned out. And uh, to be honest with you, I don't think the Bucks have much of a chance either. I know 
I know people are going to look back at the game where they dismantled the Packers and be like, oh, well, they did this to them. Well, you think they can't do it again? I just think – I could be wrong. Maybe they, they destroyed the Packers again, but I truly just think that was just a diamond in the rough. I mean, not a diamond in the rough, but, you know, just one of them hiccup-type games. I just think they had a bad game, honestly, if – should this next question comes from William McGlone. Should the Steelers trade Hayward the Castro, move on from Ben Tomlin Fensner and rebuild the team around young talent? I definitely think the Steelers should move on from Big Ben and Mike Tomlin and Fensner. But I don't think they should move Hayward the Castro. I think those two guys still have at least I want to say two, three years of high level play. So I'm not I'm not for moving those guys. And I believe Hayward just signed the contract extension not too long ago. But I don't think they should move on from those two guys. I think Tomlin, I think he has another year. I think if he doesn't show any postseason success this next cup upcoming season, I think that's it for him. I think Big Ben is retiring regardless. And as you see, I think Fishner is just all, he's done. He's just done. Next question comes from Larry Green Jr. Should the Dolphins and Texans really consider the Watson for Tua deal? Yes. Absolutely yes. And here's why I say that. I know I'm a Dolphins fan, and I know people are going to say I'm biased. This, Listen to me. When I speak this this news, when I talk about this type of stuff, I'm speaking from a NFL fan's perspective. Okay? I'm not being biased. I'll let you know if I'm a bit biased because I will literally say it. I will literally say it. And right now, I'm not being biased at all. This is what, this is why, I should say, I believe they should consider this trade both sides. Number one for the Dolphins, you have a chance to go out and get a top three quarterback at the age of 25 years old. He is only two years younger than Tua Tagovailoa. I mean older than Tua Tagovailoa. Two, this guy is already proven to be a stud. And the moment you trade for him, you instantly have the best quarterback in your division and it's not close it's not I know Josh Allen was balling this year but he is not Deshaun Watson let's not even argue he's better no he's not he's just not guys want to say oh but you just said Matt Ryan put up empty stats yeah he did put up some empty stats with the Texans but guess what he threw for 4200 yards when they were back to back playoff team this guy can play He's a baller. He's been doing it with mediocre talent around him throughout his career outside of DeAndre Hopkins. Will Fuller was hurt all the time. Kiki QT, man, listen, we're not going to speak on him. He's just... <laughs> well, I'm not going to talk about him. Brandon Cooks, I like Brandon Cooks, but it's the reason why he can't stay, stay on one team, man. It's a reason. He had a good season this season, but it's the reason why he can't stay on one team. Health issues, inconsistency, play, things like that. You go out and get Deshaun Watson to pair with this top three, top five deep potential defense. 
you go out and you sign, you still have another cat space to sign you a true number one receiver. And you still have picks in the second round, this upcoming draft, where we've seen talent come from these rounds, these late round picks, these day two, day three picks. DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb. You know, the the list can go on forever. You've seen guys come out of these day two, day three picks and turn into some of the best in the league. And then for the Texans, you have a chance to not only get another young guy who you can help and build on and mold, but the Dolphins have the most draft capital that you will be offered. They have two first-round picks coming up this year. One is the third pick, which they ironically got from the Texans. And then they have two two second-round picks. They have the draft capital. They already got you a young quarterback that you could build up on. He, he may not be the most talented guy in terms of like his metrics, like arm strength and speed and all of that, but you can't coach accuracy. You can't coach anticipation, and he has great instincts. That's what you want in the young guy especially because from there you could build on that. You got the quarterback. You got the picks. And then Deshaun Watson has already came out and said he prefers Miami as his destination, his next destination. He has a no-trade clause. He has to agree to go to a team. This is win-win for both teams, if you ask me. What's the future of the Seahawks now? What should they address for this offseason? This question came from Larry Green as well. The future of the Seahawks now... Exactly what I said it was for Tomlin, for Peyton. Because Pete Carroll is falling in. He's slowly starting to fall in his wagon as well. He's living off these one Super Bowls. And it's been carrying him more than his actual play of coaching has been. To me at this point, man, the Seahawks, they need to address the offensive line. Period. That is one huge reason why I feel as if Pete Carroll should be on the hot seat because he has failed, absolutely failed, to address the offensive line. He's failed Russell Wilson. He's failed these playmakers that they have at these skill positions. And he's failed the defense because they cannot maintain possessions and they can't control the clock like that they once did when they had Max, I believe, wasn't Max Unger at center before they traded him to the Saints? I believe that. believe so. And now Dwayne Brown can't stay healthy either. I mean, he was he- pretty much healthy this year, but he's been a healthy stretch too. What is your takeaways from the first round of the playoffs? Well, my takeaways from the playoffs, not in general since we're through it all, I think the Bills are legit. I, I said they were legit before. I think they are legit threats to win it all. I think they are. I don't think this is a year two rebuild type of season. I don't think they're looking like that. We're look, they're looking at the bigger picture. They want it all, and they can win it all. They have the firepower on offense. The defense is steadily playing good. I, I would like to see them have a bit more of a rushing attack, but 
Wait, what's, what's not broke? Don't fix it, right? <laughs> McDermott is, he's just in a groove right now. Him and the OC, they, they, the play calling is just phenomenal, man. He another guy that came from that Andy Reid tree. <laughs> Andy Reid, man, he's in, he's done a lot of great things for this league. He's he's giving you a lot of great coaches. They never underappreciate Andy Reid. This question comes from Daniel Yorkerson. What's next for Big Ben? Big Ben retirement. Period. I think that's what's next for him. He needs to hang it up. If I'm being honest, I said that earlier. Same question, I mean, the same person, Daniel Yuxison, has asked, what's the Vikings offseason moves? Well, the Vikings offseason moves, to me, they have to address the defense. I think their back end is weak. I mean, it's young, but I think they need a veteran presence there because I think Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris, I think those two guys are going to worn out. This offseason, I think they're going to be moved. I think Anthony Harris for sure because he was on the. If I'm not mistaken, I, he may have signed an extension. I'm not 100% sure on that. But I think those two guys are going to want to be moved. And after that, on the offensive side, I just think they need to start. Believing in Kirk Cousins a little bit more. I know he started off, didn't start off fantastic, but he finished the year pretty solid. I just think they need to stay healthy on the offensive side and just continue to grow with each other. Defensively, they need a lot of help, man. A lot. They let go a lot of pieces. They need a lot of help. Well, that's it for the Q&A, guys. Thank you all for tuning in once again to the show. I'm your host, Tavares Wilson. I'll see y'all in the next one. And before I go, be sure to subscribe to the channel, like, comment, let me know what you think, what could be better. And be also to follow me on all my social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, <clears throat> LinkedIn. I'm, I'm everywhere. <laughs> I'll see y'all in the next one.